Hey there, you're listening to the Only Schoolers podcast. I'm Gina Prosh, and hanging out here with me as always is my co-host, Kristen Edwards. Yep, I'm here as always. So hello, welcome to the show today. We are on the downhill slide of February. We're, what, just a little over a week left, and next month is the start of spring, so that means 2021 is well and truly underway. We're keeping the new OnlySchoolers.com website updated with each episode as it drops, along with some show notes, so just head on over there to find us. We also have copies of our Only Schoolers Homeschool Planner and show transcripts available in our Etsy shop, which is available at Etsy.com backslash shop backslash OnlySchoolers. And if you enjoy the show, please share it with your homeschool friends. Give us a shout out on social media or drop a link to the show in your local homeschool email loop so that other people know to tune in. We are on all the major podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, whole bunch more. Yeah. And as always, you know, we love social media. So pop on over to Facebook and Instagram. You can find us at both places. Our handle is only schoolers. We just want to connect with you and keep these discussions going. If you prefer email, that's fine too. We love email. So drop us a line. Our address is onlyschoolers at gmail.com. So, Gina, last time I know we mentioned that homeschool parents joke that February might be the shortest month on the calendar, but it's the longest month of the homeschool year. So, how's this month been shaken out for you? Honestly, at this time of February, I'm almost always struggling a bit. Um, It's the time of year I'm inevitably doing taxes for our business so I can try to get everything off to the accountant. Plus, I've been done with winter since I put the Christmas decorations away and um, I'm ready to get outside and plunk a few pansies in a pot and get on with springtime. And frankly, if everyone out there in podcast land could have heard the two of us trying to figure out some major technical difficulties with this episode, well, they'd know this past week has been a doozy. It's been but, a whole month of February this week. <laughs> but today, the temperature is above 20 degrees, the roads are clear, and the sun is shining, and more light always helps perk up the mood. Now, I know you're an I love winter person, so what about you? Well, I do love winter, but my I love winter does come with a caveat. I love winter when I don't have to get out in it, especially when it's freezing like it's been. I'm a huge fan of snow and fireplaces and soup, but I do not like being cold. So for me, it's this kind of weird in-between time that we're heading toward that's going to be really tough. Is it winter? Is it spring? Will it be 60 degrees one day? Will we have ice the next? I mean, it's Missouri, so obviously all things are possible. Everything's on the table. One time I remember um, September wrote this poem about this not winter, not spring weird time. I think she referred to it as sprinter or something like that. I'll have to dig that poem out. So yeah, it's just, it's kind of a weird time of year, but hey, at least we don't have that crazy ice show schedule in the February mix this year, right? (laughs) And it's a good thing we don't because with all of the the craziness of the last week and a half in terms of weather event that would not stop here, we wouldn't have had any rehearsals for I show anyway. That's true. Clearly. (laughs) Clearly. And clearly we take our joy where we find it. So moving on, hopefully putting all that behind us. What's on our agenda today? Today we have moved up through the alphabet to the letter C. There were lots of great words beginning with C on our list to choose from celebration, creativity, change. There was chaos, but we kind of already touched on that in our homeschooling through chaos episode last season. 
there was comfort and commitment and confusion, always appropriate for homeschool parents, um, and courage. There were a lot of others. But in the end, two words that jumped out at both of us were common sense and connection. Because while all those other words are super important elements in life, common sense and connection, I think, are just especially important when it comes to home educating. So you're a very commonsensical person, Gina. Why don't you get us going with your two cents on common sense? So what comes to mind when I say common sense? Um, let's see. I've mentioned this before on the show, but I grew up with blue collar parents and no one in my immediate family, aunts, uncles, grandparents, was a college graduate other than the infamous Aunt Holly that I've mentioned, but she's a great aunt. And my parents made their primary living as wallpaper hangers. It was the early 1980s when wallpaper was all the rage in home decorating, and they got in with some housing contractors who were doing new builds in some upscale areas. And I remember them coming home from work, and they'd describe the people that they'd worked for that day. And more than once, I heard my dad say, this guy is so smart, he's stupid. And... <laughs> Well, the people who hired my parents may have been highly educated doctors or engineers, lawyers, bankers, that sort of thing. Many of them really were sorely lacking in common sense. In my own life, I don't think I really thought about common sense all that much and, and about what my dad was talking about. So I was teaching at the college in South Carolina. And the conversations in the faculty lounge confirmed <laughs> that my father was correct in his assessment. Just because a person is educated and has a PhD or something, uh, doesn't mean that they're all that and a bag of chips. So here, I've got a story for you. My husband and I went to this party um, over on the college campus, and we're talking with a PhD who worked in my building. And in all seriousness, he's holding up this block of cheese stuck to the end of a toothpick, and he's waving it around, and he says, do you ever really think about cheese? And I'm kind of confused because, you know, <laughs> no, well, what do you mean, do you think about cheese? And the guy says, what even is cheese? I mean, where does it come from? <laughs> Wait, what? So he didn't know what cheese was. I mean, I'd be like, well, I may not know where it came from, but I do know where it's going. And I'd pop it right in my mouth. I love cheese. I mean, I like to wax poetic sometimes, but seriously, we're from the Midwest. Food's for eating. Oh, exactly. But, but this guy, honestly, he didn't have a clue where cheese came from. Now, I know not everyone grew up on a farm or had a grandmother like mine who made cheese in her kitchen from the milk that she got from the cow that was in the barn at the foot of the hill. But, I mean, common sense means people can read a product label. You know, on the back of the cheese package where it says cheddar cheese, milk, cheese cultures. You know, cheese cultures sounds nicer than bacteria. Um, salt and enzymes. <laughs> uh, so I guess that's what I think of when someone says, uh, common sense. You know, she's got a good head on her shoulders or he's smart enough to know to come in out of the rain. Common sense is that very practical sort of knowledge about the way the world works. What about you? What do you think of when I say common sense? Oh, pretty much the same thing. I mean, I think I call it street smarts versus book smarts, but it's really basically just what you've been describing there. So I have a story for you, and I love to tell this about my husband, and actually, he was the one who started telling it, so it really shows that he could laugh at himself. Anytime that anything needed a quick fix around our house, his first instinct was to call a professional to come take care of it. Now, Kev is a super smart, super smart guy. He book smarts out the wazoo, but he just seriously really wasn't very handy. But I grew up in the country. I watched my dad and my grandpa and my great grandpa and they would fix stuff. And so my first instinct was just do it myself. I can figure this out, right? 
So the joke was if something went wrong and he'd say, oh, what are we going to do? I'd say, well, Kev, I come from a long line of people who just get in there and figure out how to fix it. And Kev would reply, well, I come from a long line of people who call people to get in here and fix things. (laughs) (laughs) Like that Andy Griffith episode, call the man. (laughs) Call the man, exactly. So we were actually a a perfect match in that respect. But, But the common sense portion does kick in here too, though, because I am smart enough to know that while I can make minor repairs on toilets and sinks and, you know, whatever... I'm not going to mess with electricity or gas. In fact, I have a a gas fireplace that needs some attention right now, but not by me. So I know I said it was book smarts versus street smarts, but I actually think the perfect combination is both of those. And I kind of like to think, Gina, that the two of us fit that description. We are intelligent women, and I've said it before, we wear lots of hats. And that requires this certain combination of book smarts and street smarts. So maybe common sense is just knowing when to use your book smarts and when to use your street smarts. I mean, that's what I like to look at it. So why it's got a lot of common sense. How have you or how do you think you've incorporated or fostered that common sense in your homeschool? over the last few years? First off, I don't consider common sense to be an innate capability. You know, where fairy godmothers are out there sprinkling common sense on some people and not on other people. I think that common sense is a quality that can can be developed. Kind of like you said, knowing when to use book smarts and when to use street smarts. And since I've been talking about growing up on a farm, I'm going to go with a favorite farm expression, let Wyatt pee on the electric fence. (laughs) Oh, now that would be a shocking experience. Now, I don't think in real life we ever really let him pee on the electric fence, but we did let him experience gravity at work. So when he was little, you know, he insisted on standing on the, the side of the bathtub and jumping into the water. And at first we would be holding him back, but he'd wanting to stand on the side of the tub and jump in and make this big splash. And we'd be like, no, no. And there he'd be balanced on the side of the tub until one night, you know, Rich and I looked at each other and said, okay, fine, whatever. And we just let gravity take over. So slips into the tub, splashes, he gets water up his nose. He comes up, he's snorting, he's snuffling, he's poking out his bottom lip, he's crying. Now we could see that he was not hurt and he got very little sympathy, pretty much zero sympathy. (laughs) And we asked him, you know, what have we been telling you about being on the side of the tub? And he replied, you know, in this sad, forlorn little voice, don't jump in the tub. And he never jumped in the tub again. I bet not. Poor fella. But you know, those are the greatest lessons, natural consequences, right? Seriously, though, what is it with kids in water? I remember the first time that we took September to the beach, she had this game with the waves. So she'd stand in the water until a wave came like coming up to her and then she would run shrieking up the beach away from it. Well, she got a little brave, kept going a little bit further out and further out into the ocean. And I'm saying, hey, slick, waves are bigger out there. But you know, seven-year-olds, they've got all the answers. So yeah, she got a little lesson in gravity, applied physics, whatever. I would think that the bath water would be better to splutter and spit out, though, than that salty gulf water. I mean, I reached out and I grabbed her, kind of like with you and Wyatt. She was never in any danger. But I do think that she learned to better gauge the size of the waves. So what we're saying is that common sense comes from engaging in a real way with the real world in real time. And the way you gain that common sense is by dealing with common problems and figuring them out for yourself. 
So, would you care to guess the way I learned to set a timer and not leave the general area of the kitchen while I'm baking cookies? <laughs> I'm going to guess it involves a smoke alarm. Yes, it does involve a smoke alarm. <laughs> however, <laughs> how would you guess? <laughs> the alarm didn't actually go off, but I'm running through the house, you know, throwing open all the windows and doors, turning on ceiling fans to clear the smoke out. And the house, I mean, it smelled like burnt chocolate chip cookies for a long time. And throughout the cookie sheet, it's like, I'm never going to get this stuff un unchiseled from this cookie sheet. <laughs> Start over, clean slate. But those natural consequences, they are the ones that stick with us, though, right? I mean, like what happens if you love and you squeeze your cat too tightly? You're going to get scratched. Well, there's a lesson learned. What happens... As for me, when I stay up far too late reading at night, well, I'm exhausted the next day. Lesson learned. A little common sense really would alleviate so many problems. Oh, exactly. So for instance, as Wyatt got older, I knew he was completely capable of looking in his sock drawer or underwear cubbies and thinking, oh, gee, I put on the last pair. It's empty now. So I better get some socks or underwear or blue jeans or whatever washed up. And that was when I kind of stopped checking up on him to make sure he had enough. And he needed to be responsible either for asking me to toss in a load of laundry or better yet, do it himself. Laundry's not hard. You know, there's a little detergent. There's the, the stuff. Shut the lid. Press go. It, Easy this enough. Is not, this is not rocket, not rocket science. And if he didn't pay attention, oh, well, I mean, Sure, dirty socks are really gross and stinky, but in the cosmic scheme of things, nasty socks aren't fatal. I mean, that's how I learned to pay attention to how many, you know, socks and pairs of jeans I had in my closet. I mean, how many times have you had to wear dirty socks? Okay, well, true confession here. I absolutely hate socks, so I never wear them. So I guess the answer to the dirty sock question is never. But I have had to pull on a sweatshirt that was probably a couple days past the washing just because I hadn't, you know, checked and made sure that I had enough clean clothes. So I guess another thing that I think um, promotes that kind of sense of common sense is to reverse engineer projects and, and situations. Oh, I need pants, so I've got to clean pants, you know. So a couple of years ago, we decided we wanted to take out our old sidewalk and put in a new paper sidewalk. And we put Wyatt in charge of the project. And we kind of helped him out figuring out the project by starting with the end result of we want this sidewalk made out of pavers. And then we ha had him continually take a step back and take a step back and, and ask like, what needs to happen before you can put the pavers in and be finished? Well, I got to put that paver sand down on the ground and level it all out. Okay, take another step back. What needs to happen before you'll be able to put down the paver sand? Um, well, the ground needs to be level so we don't waste a bunch of paver sand. And, you know, so on and so forth until got back to that starting point. Now, the end result was that last year when he was doing his cemetery restoration project at the local nature center, he was able to reverse engineer that project on his own um, and figure out from where he wanted it at the end you know, figuring out what his first step should be. So as far as common sense in actual homeschooling, I guess for me, it's, you know, it's stuff like taking a break for a couple of weeks if a project becomes overwhelming. It means don't overcomplicate or overthink things. I'm a great overthinker, so don't, don't do that. Um, just because something's simple, there's nothing wrong with simple. There's nothing inherently better about something just because it's intricate <laughs> and complicated. It's just harder. <laughs> Yeah. So what about you? What does fostering a sense of common sense look like at your house? Well, to start with, for homeschooling for us, common sense says that since both September and I are night owls, 
it would be ridiculous for us to insist on starting at 8 a.m. in the morning. We're not awake. We just have a, a more leisurely start to our day. We start between 9 and 10, sometimes later, always with a hot cup of tea. And we just work later. We just work during the afternoon into the evening a little bit to stay on track. I mean, that's kind of like what we were talking about with homeschool autonomy last month. There's just this idea that you do the homeschool that works for you. I do get blowback sometimes about our unusual schedule from other parents because they'll say, oh, I'm not teaching her responsibility and how will she ever get to her morning classes in college and how will she get to her job? Okay, well, my answer to that is number one, I'm not worried because we don't live in a nine to five world anymore. She'll be fine. And number two, I'm not worried because she's got common sense. I mean, right now, she knows that she can stay up late and she can sleep in late and we can still get all our work done because that's how we run our days here. But she is perfectly capable of understanding that when the situation changes, the schedule might have to as well because guess what? That's just common sense. So some mornings she's got 6 a.m. synchro practices. Okay, is she going to stay up till midnight the night before? Of course not. Common sense says get to sleep earlier so you're ready to go. So we travel quite a bit too, and that requires going with the flow so much. If you can't find a taxi, okay, is there a bus? Can we walk? Common sense says if there's a problem, then there's an answer. I have no doubt that she will get to her 8 a.m. classes in college, or honestly, if she uses her common sense, she'll just sign up for the 11 o'clock classes. So I think for us, fostering that sense of common sense, especially in homeschool, it's just engaging with the real world in a, in a real way. And like you said, in real time. You know, I love that, that common sense says if there's a problem, then there's an answer because it's it's really true. If, if there's a problem out there, there's also a solution for it out there. We'll yep. just have to find out what it is. <laughs> Reverse engineer that baby. <laughs> That's right. You know, one of the things that I love most about homeschooling is that it does allow for a very common sense approach to education. So make sure they learn about the things that matter most. It's just common sense, right? And one of the most common sense approaches to homeschooling is seeing how interconnected all the learning really is. Oh, I saw what you did there. <laughs> nice move. Time to move on to our next theme today, which is connection. Exactly. But doesn't creating connections between things just make sense? Education doesn't take place in a bubble. It's connecting as many dots as possible to all of the things around us all the time. Oh, certainly. I mean, even if you're binge watching Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., there's just a level of connection there. I am always amazed at how just sometimes these seemingly random activities that we that we do, they create avenues into learning that I wasn't even expecting. So September chose to study psychology as one of her electives this year. And you wouldn't immediately say, hey, you should watch Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. That goes along with it. But you know, there were so many psychological aspects front and center in so many of the episodes. And it was like, okay, uh, what's the word I'm trying to think of here? It's um, um, serendipitous, fortuitous, coincidental. Yes, all of those, all the above. I have never had as many deep and engaging conversations with September about, you know, the whole psychological stuff as I have this year, and especially when the agents were in the framework. And then, you know, you can spin off into geography because really, how did Zephyr One manage to get to all those far-flung places so quickly? In history, the season they time-traveled, that was just really fun. And we even hit on astronomy, and that was another one of our subjects this year because a whole season took place in space. And let me tell you, if Marvel ran NASA, we'd be living on the moon right now. Oh, we, we would definitely be on the moon. <laughs> <laughs> 
there are many, many things that we love about homeschooling. But, you know, one that is definitely on my list is the way learning outside of a traditional school environment allows us to integrate and connect things for our kids. It's not just math in a vacuum. It's the fact that math is the language of science and science is impacted by history because it's taken the whole of human history to develop the technology necessary for us to have things as complex as a Netflix subscription or even something as seemingly simple as a regular and inexpensive supply of table salt and granulated sugar. So have I ever talked to you about one of my all-time favorite educational TV shows called Connections with Michael Burke, um, based on his 1978 book, also called Connections? No, I don't think you have. Okay, so it's this British show, and there are three seasons in 1978 and 1994 and 1997, because that's the way British TV shows work. So uh, the series does have some age on it, but really it holds up remarkably well. So Michael Burke, he's this science historian, and he will trace something from our modern society all the way back through history, looking at all the intricate connections that make this one thing possible. So for instance, from the 1997 series, there's an episode called An Invisible Object, and that moves you from the Hubble telescope to hydrazine, which is an inorganic compound, to the French winemaking crisis of the 19th century, to American Express and Buffalo Bill, sidestep over to Joan of Arc and the Spanish Inquisition, because nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition, and then logarithms, slide rules, clock makers, pressure cookers to sterilize beer. And all of those things are connected in one episode. Okay, I'm going to have to find that episode because that sounds fascinating. But that's why I love history. I can never understand why people think it's boring. So all this talk of connections and making these connections like that, it kind of reminds me of this idea in Brave Writer called Continents of Learning. So it's this idea that you can take any interest your child has, I mean, literally anything like playing with puppets, for instance, and you can figure out how all sorts of other subjects that aren't at all obvious at first, they connect to that interest. Because we both know when a child is interested, a child is learning. Oh, absolutely. I, I often say that about like uh, girls who really love fashion design, because fashion design is nothing but history and science and math and all of these different things pulled together. And one of the reasons I like these sorts of connections and focusing on them is the way that it helps with subjects that might not be a student's favorite. So if you've got a student who's struggling with fractions, um, they might be more inclined to want to learn about the subject if it's tied to, like I said, cooking or sewing or something that they really do enjoy. By exploring connections, as teachers, we can really help our students see the value in what they're learning. Um, so I don't know, maybe if you have a kid who doesn't really adore history, you might want to you know, read about the history of plagues. Okay. Yeah, that sounds familiar. <laughs> but yes, um, and we are learning a lot about plagues. But yes, making history accessible to a kid who's more artsy and sciencey, it really can be a challenge sometimes. But if you connect that to a real interest, boom, well, now you're talking. And okay, you know, I'm going to say it, right? If by it, you mean ownership of education, then yep, fits right in here. <laughs> it. But it does. It's just common sense that you would look for connections in education and help your child take ownership of all that new knowledge in a way that's meaningful to him or her. And of course, there is the connection that exists between people too. Parents and children, parents and other parents, and children and their friends. Um, just the same way subjects don't exist in a vacuum, none of us can exist in a social vacuum. 
we need connections with other people, other like-minded parents, especially when you're homeschooling. So when you're about to pull your hair out, you know, it's really comforting to connect with another homeschool parent who says, oh, don't worry, you know, it took my son six months to figure out that two halves equaled a whole, or someone who says, I tried that curriculum too, and my daughter hated it. Or, you know, a friend of mine said, oh, did I ever tell you the time that we spent, you know, our Christmas Eve in the ER getting a Lego out of my son's nose? Ouch. Oh, ow, ow, ow. That hurts. That hurts. Yeah. That hurts. But yes. Okay. Yeah. We've Moving on. Ouch. Because we have said it before. Homeschooling is a radical lifestyle, but it can be lonely sometimes, especially this past year with so many of our regular activities and outlets were just closed. So finding a community where you can commiserate and kvetch, but also celebrate, that's so important. So a while back, I fell into Maya Angelou's poetry and there was one called Alone and just really kind of reached deep into me. And so the first stanza says, lying, thinking last night how to find my soul a home where water is not thirsty and bread loaf is not stone. I came up with one thing, and I don't believe I'm wrong, that nobody but nobody can make it out here alone. So that's just telling me we need to find those connections. Common sense just tells us they're necessary. We absolutely do need those connections. And unfortunately, though, Looking at my clock, the time for connecting is starting to come to an end as we're cruising into the half hour mark here. Um, Before we go, though, we definitely would like to ask about common sense and connection in your homeschool. Yeah. So what common sense approaches do you have for your homeschool? How have you made educational or personal connections? Let us know if we said anything today that's gotten you thinking about these themes. You can visit us on Facebook or Instagram. Search for our handle, Only Schoolers. You can go to our website, OnlySchoolers.com. Like we said, you can drop us an email at OnlySchoolers at gmail.com. And before we head out, I will say thanks for listening today. We will be back in a couple of weeks, and we'll be talking about the letter D. And since Kristen just mentioned social media and staying connected, for now we'll say that the letter D stands for Don't Be a Stranger. And we'll see you next time on the Only Schoolers podcast, where we're here helping you homeschool.